This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA with close to 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Callie Milliman, and we've got a really cool one for you today. As you can see, we're actually outside, and we are joined by Leanne McCallum, and she is a feral cat caretaker, and we are here at the feral cat community outside in Newmarket. Leanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for coming. Nice to have you. You know, we're really excited. We have a great experience happening here today because we're very lucky, but we're able to actually see the cats. We're able to sort of experience a little bit of a day in the life of Leanne's taking care of these feral cats. And now we're looking to get a little more information from you, Leanne, because obviously this is, uh, you've put quite a bit of work into this. I do want everyone to know I'm not alone in this. There's a few of us that are involved in it. I happen to be the gal who is here today, but there is a team of people that help with this. We have a gal who comes up and feeds on the weekends. She uh, lives in Newmarket. Joanne is great in that regard. She used to work here with me. And the two of us discovered these guys were back here together last spring. And I have another um, gal who feeds on the days when I'm not here in the office. So it does really help to share the load when there's a couple of more people that are involved. And we've worked really hard to try and do the best that we can for these little guys. We can't rescue them all. Lots of times they're not able to be fostered and adopted out. But boy, we can sure help to make their lives a little bit more comfortable for them. So you know what, that's a really great point that you make, Leanne, because it's true, It, it you need more than one person. It can be quite a big undertaking. But as you mentioned, all of you work together. You mm-hmm. sort of share the workload, and, mm-hmm. and you're doing a great thing for these cats. Now, you mentioned briefly a little bit when this colony started, and, and when did you get involved? Last spring, we discovered that there was a few cats that were venturing down in towards the parking lot. Because this is the very back of the um, business parking lot, most of the time we're not back here. The garbage bins are back here, etc. Happened to see them. Most of the time they stay up here in the field. Had no idea they were back here. Last spring, they were galloping around and playing, and we came to see what was going on. Discovered stuff that was back here, and cats that we had no idea they were here. In talking with people within some of these surrounding businesses, we discovered there have been cats back here for 20 years. Sometimes they've been looked after by people, sometimes they've been left to fend for themselves. There's the one scampering past us now. (laughs) So, you know what, that's really interesting that you, you know, maybe even before you guys knew about it, you were hearing about some stories where folks had said, hey, we're seeing some cats out there. My question to you is, what do you do at that point? You go, okay, we've obviously got cats, some feral cats that are living behind the building. What are the steps you take next? Well, the first thing was we started to feed them, not sure what they were doing here. Were they strays? Were they ferals? Those of us who are involved have pet cats at home, um, knew a little bit about the the plight of ferals, but didn't know how to recognize whether these guys were ferals or whether they were strays that had been dumped here. And initially, probably that's where they came from, ones that were let go. But to be honest, I contacted the OSPCA very quickly on, and Monica was such a huge help. The information and the things that... uh, the OSPCA has shared with us and answered all my questions, hooked us up with a couple of other people who were starting to ask questions as well. And that made a big difference in determining what was going on back here and what we could do to help them. Um, 
fortunately it was springtime so the weather was good and we just got on to feeding and watering them to care help to care for them and made a plan for taking the TNR workshop in Toronto we did that straight away because we knew in order to stop the colony from growing and all of the kittens that are naturally produced we had to get them fixed and so figuring out how to do that etc was a huge step mm -hmm. and went through that last summer we got five of the females spayed I'm still trying to catch the tom that floats in and out of our colony. He's making the rounds around Newmarket. But now that we're so much more familiar with the cats and the ones that we have, they come to us regularly. I've developed a bit of a plan for trying to catch him in the spring when we can safely do that again for him. It's not something you want to put an animal through in the winter months, but certainly in the spring we're going to try and get him fixed as well. So let's touch on that, Leanne. I want to pick your brain a little bit because it's one thing in the warmer spring and summer months, and I think it's a whole other thing in the winter. So do you have maybe a couple of your best tips for anybody maybe who's listening and, and wants to get involved in something like this or maybe they already are and you know their best winter tips that you think somebody with a feral cat colony should know? First and foremost, I think, is to provide the cats some kind of a shelter that they can sleep in to get out of the cold. The winter bins that we were able to get from the OSPCA are an amazing way to give them some kind of a shelter. They're designed for one cat, certainly two can cuddle in there. They're insulated, they have straw in them. Set them up in a spot where it's sheltered, where they're up and out of the snow and the, the rain, etc., if at all possible. Try and keep them accessible, but in a safe spot where the cats are going to feel comfortable going in and out of them as well. When they're up here, there are other kinds of predators, etc., that can be a concern for the cats. So they need to know that when they're going in and out of their spot, they can still get in and out safely. Right. We set them up in the fall so they would get comfortable with them before it became winter, so that they knew what they were there for, etc. Also, setting up a regular feeding routine. It used to be in the summertime we would feed them at the end of the day, but as the weather gets colder and everything gets so much darker, we switch that routine to feeding them at lunchtime. That way they can come out during the warmer part of the day. Um, we can see how they're doing, what needs to be done as far as their location. Does something need to be cleaned up or swept off or those kinds of things. Plus then we can get water to them for the daytime at least part of the daytime, the warmer part, before it freezes. Because that's a big thing. It doesn't take long for water to freeze in the wintertime. And we found during those really, really cold times, they would go for the warm water before they would go into the food. So um, we would bring out hot water, loosen up the ice from the, the water bowls, etc. We found that the plastic ones froze very quickly and you can't get the water out of them. So a steel bowl was much um, more user-friendly. We could get the ice out, fill it up. The cats would go to that first. It was obvious how thirsty they were. We may think that they drink the snow, but that's not really what they're after. We also do feed them some wet food with water mixed in with it. It's another way to get moisture in for them. Um, it gives them a, a moist, wet wet food as well as the dry food that they can then come back and nibble on and providing some kind of a spot where they can eat out of the elements. So we have, um, we'll probably show some pictures in a bit of covered feeding areas that we have that they can go into that they're they're a little bit out of the elements they're protected from the wind they're out of the rain we've had a fair bit of rain this winter and it's nice to get them up and out of the rain try and keep their paws dry if at all possible and again be able to have a regular feeding schedule they know to come these little girls these girls were waiting for us when we got here today they're used to it and they're looking for it they're not the kind of animals that hibernate for the winter they don't do that and 
what they're otherwise trying to eat does hibernate. There's not the mice and the birds and the things like that. They're not here for them. Great. Those are amazing tips. Leanne, you've obviously done quite a bit of research. I mean, if anybody out there is thinking about getting involved in something like this, I would say, uh, you know, research would be your best tool as well. Obviously, Leanne's put quite a bit of work into gathering all of these uh, sort of tips, these tricks and all of this information to make sure that you're doing the absolute best that you can for the cats. This is something you're very clearly passionate about. And I, I'm interested to hear why you're so passionate about, you know, maybe this colony in particular. Well, I've worked in this office for over six years, had no, no idea at all that they were here until we discovered them last spring. So it's a surprise when you discover how they can hide in plain sight. Once we did find them, we needed to do something for them. Um, those of us that are involved have pets at home and couldn't just leave them here to fend for themselves. We needed to do what we could for them. Joanne and I signed up very quickly to take the TNR workshop down in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Cannot um, recommend that enough. The information booklet that we got from them was huge, answered all kinds of questions. It was a great day. It was They had lots of ideas for us, as well as you know asking lots of questions of uh, Monica at the OSPCA, Elaine from Finley Cat Rescue has been a huge help to us as well, somebody who actually monitors other feral cat colonies within Newmarket. She's got even more experience and has been a, a huge resource for me information-wise and relying on people to help us along the way. When I talk about um, us having got a bunch of them spayed last year, while the OSPCA offers a great discount on getting the job done, it still is an expense that the bigger the colony, the hire the expense. We did a fundraiser in our office. We talked about what we were doing and why we were doing it. Like us, nobody else knew that they were back here. There were so many people that got on board. We were able to raise over half of the money that it cost to get five female cats um, spayed last year. So you never know until you start asking people who might be willing to help. They may not be able to be back here feeding with us all the time, but the support financially, emotionally, that kind of thing, it's out there. If you ask for it, it's amazing how many people want to be involved. You know what, that's so interesting because I think the, the way we, I wanted to wrap up today was just, you know, for anybody out there who might be wanting to get involved in a feral community like this, you know, what might be your best tips? And so far what I've heard from you is, of course, one, you know, do your research, take those courses because, as you mentioned, they helped you greatly um, to get more information about uh, sort of how to care for these little ones. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also mentioned maybe having a bit of a team. Reach out to folks, see if there's anybody who wants to get involved, whether they be donating to help yeah. care for the cats or whether they want to get on board and take a shift of feeding or what have you yep. and then of course holding a fundraiser I find that's a really interesting point actually Leanne and I'm not sure I would have thought of that right off the top you know like you mentioned there is a cost that's associated with caring for these little guys obviously you need to have the food for them every day you need to uh, hopefully be able to fix them because that's how we're going to help uh, prevent the overpopulation of cats in the province of Ontario and so yeah getting a fundraiser going is there any other sort of last minute tips that you might want to shoot out to anybody out there who might want to get involved. We as a society have unfortunately created what has happened to these animals and I think that we need to do what we can to try to help them. It is important that we get them spayed. I can't stress that enough. Get them spayed and neutered. Each female cat can over the generations to come produce the equivalent of 420,000 kittens and kittens don't survive out here. It's very unfortunate. We saw that ourselves this spring. Early in the spring there were multiple kittens that were here and we had two that survived the year. 
They can be spayed as young as four months. The OSPCA or vets can do a juvenile spay, neuter, etc. And that stops them from having the kittens. And we watched the one that we still have here who had previously had multiple litters of kittens become so much more relaxed and so much more trusting now that she didn't have to worry about looking after babies. And you can only imagine the kind of stress that that is to have litter after litter of them. So that's a huge thing. Do what you can. It's not hard. Talk to somebody who has done it. Everybody out there who's gone through it and the TNR workshop has so many great ideas. It takes a weekend, quite literally. It takes a weekend to get a whole bunch of them done. There are ways that you can trap them and easily get them done and fixed. You need a garage or a building or something to be able to house them. The OSPCA is amazing about helping to get them done and providing information and resources for all of that get involved. Do what you can. Talk to other people. You would be surprised how many people know what's going on but don't know what to do about it. I canvassed so many of the businesses around here to find out who knew about them. I told them when we were doing our trap neuter return weekend to make sure that nobody was feeding them that I didn't know about because that's the whole key is that you have to suspend the food for a day so that they'll come to you. I wanted to make sure there wasn't somebody that was coming in that we didn't know about that they then would get their meal and they wouldn't come to me the day that I set up the traps for them. They're easygoing with what they'll eat. They get into a routine just like your own house pets at home, etc. Looking for food, looking for water. It doesn't take a lot to provide a little bit to help make their lives bearable and livable. And they're going to be here. The, we can't just turn our backs on them. Awesome. Leanne, thank you so very, very much. Honestly, it's been such a pleasure to get to meet you, get all of this incredible information, and then also to come here and see the work that you and your team do. Uh, you know, we can't thank you enough. Um, and of course, we've got the little one back there ready to say goodbye to everybody. This has been another amazing episode of Animals Voice Podcast. If you're looking for more information, visit our website. Of course, do some research if you want to get involved as well. Don't forget to share our podcast. Check us out on iTunes and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice. <laughs>